The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, the Denver Nuggets are the NBA champions of 2023, doing it in just five games. Cinco! We break down game five, which should have been a Miami Heat win. And I really, really wish it would have gone to overtime because I would have won a bunch of money. But Nikola Jokic is also the best player in the world right now. It's not even close. Remember when we were like, oh, how do we feel? Like, will we take Joel Embiid or will we take, get out of here. Get out of here. We also get into some other news from around the league, including how Toronto and the Raptors have a new coach, new intel on how to keep Zion healthy uh, without having to hire more porn stars, and how the coaching carousel actually works in the NBA. So much to get into, so Nick, do me a favor and drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. We got a new NBA champion, sir, and their name is the Denver Nuggets. Get your little baby chariot float on because Nikola Jokic and his little infant are going to be hopping on it for the parade. Who saw this coming? Who? Did the NBA media see this coming? No. Did people outside of Denver see this coming? Largely, no. Anyone with functioning eyes and a lack of small market bias, did they see this coming? Yes. From the halfway point of the season until the end of the playoffs. Well, here's the deal. Really, it was like the last two months of the season and Denver Nuggets mailed it in because they knew that they could. But the playoffs were dominant time for the Nuggets. The crucial month, like one to month four, awesome for the Nuggets. They were not just better than anyone else in the league. They were much better than everyone else in the league. It really wasn't close. Miami, 
Give it to them. They were scrappy as hell. They kept these finals much more interesting than they probably should have been, given that Tyler Hero was injured, and Gabe Vincent was injured, and Jimmy Butler was injured. And Game 5 was one of the ugliest, badger-in-a-box type of games you're ever going to see. How ugly was it? Well, at one point in the fourth quarter, the over, uh, the total was set at 179 and a half points, which would be, uh, does some quick math, that's 90 points basically per team. That is a number that you have not seen in an NBA Finals since about 1987. That, that... I don't even know who was the best artist in 1987, but I don't even think rap music existed when the last time we had seen 179 and a half. The final was 94-89, uh, but the game was much closer than that. The Heat probably should have won this game. But like the rest of the games, they shot nine for 35 from three. Yeah, the one thing that they could count on for the entire playoff run literally deserted them at the last moment. And also, let's be real. What the fuck were those last 90 seconds? Uh, It was almost like Miami decided, yeah, we don't really want to go back and play game six. You know, like, what's the point? (laughs) This is, we gave it the college try we were up all game, and, like, let's just, let's just lose it. What would happen if we just decided we're just going to lose? Miami played like they had never seen a fourth quarter crunch time before. Down three, 14 seconds left. No, let's start before that. In the 30s seconds left. Jimmy Butler, dribble drive, penetration, throws it directly to Kentavious Caldwell-Pope? Easy steal? Have to foul? What the fuck? Max Struess just stands there waiting to get picked off? What are we talking about? So then, down three, 14 seconds left, Jimmy Butler decides early in the shot clock he's going to turn, have a step-back turnaround three over a 6'10 Aaron Gordon. Do you think he made that shot? No. Not what I would call a high-quality decision from a guy who's been incredible in the playoffs. As it turns out, the Heat could not keep shooting like they were shooting in the rest of the playoffs. It turns out that when people said, could they continue this heater of 50% from three, turns out the answer was no. The Nuggets of course, got exactly what we expect from Nikola Jokic, was just a, a dominant performance no matter what's going on around him. Uh, 28-16-4, even though he was mobbed the entire time. Give it to Eric Spolstra. Hell of a game plan. People need to shut up about the MVP race. Embiid so clearly did not deserve to win the MVP. Now in hindsight, Nikola Jokic decided he would take his foot off the gas because, let's be real, he cares about nothing else besides his child and his horses. So, like, does he give a shit about a third straight MVP when when Embiid's crying about it every day on national television? Wee, wee, Nicola just keeps taking my MVPs away. I deserve to win one. He's like, fine, kid, have it. I don't care. I really just don't. I'd rather have a championship anyway. 
This is what? Jokic, Jokic, 12 for 16 in a closeout game. What? What? That would, I, I love Joel Embiid, but there would be no scenario where Joel Embiid would be 12 for 16 in a closeout game. There's just like, he would be 2 for 17 in a closeout game. Let's be honest. He shot 58% for the entire series in the finals. Jokic, 42% from three. These are outrageous numbers. Here's what we're not going to do as I take a sip of my drink. We will never say that Nikola Jokic is boring again. We will never say that Nikola Jokic is not an athlete ever again. We are not going to say that Nikola Jokic is overrated ever again. He has earned every accolade. He's going to deserve pretty much every other accolade that he hasn't gotten. And guess what? He won finals MVP, Western Conference MVP, and he won the best MVP trophy that there is. I bet Joel Embiid would trade his regular season little scrappy third best MVP for that finals MVP trophy every day, twice on Sundays. Denver were just a buzzsaw. Took out the Timberwolves in the first round in five. Had a hard fought, I guess. Not really. Let's be honest, we never were scared of the Suns. Even though it was six, I thought it was five. They swept the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals and beat a cockroach team, the Miami Heat, in five, a gentleman's sweep. Not any of those series were particularly close. They just never felt close. And people were like, well, they beat, they beat an eight seed. And then uh, they beat what were the, what were the six seed, and then they beat a seven seed, and then they beat an eight seed. But let's be real honest about what it was. They beat Carl Anthony Towns and Ant. They beat Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. They beat Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and then they beat Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. That's what it really was. I don't care about the seeds. The, like, the duos that they just slayed are fucking sick. Scoring phenoms, people. The Nuggets were 53-29 and 29 in the regular season and 16-4 and four in the playoffs for a 69-nice and 33 record. That is a 68% winning percentage. And you know the thing that I didn't write down, but I do want to say, is that Michael Malone, when he was still going by Mike, I feel like when Mike turned into Michael, that was when he stopped being insecure. Because there was a time when Michael Malone thought he would never coach again. He had just been jettisoned from the Sacramento Kings for no reason, really. And he told people, I'm never going to get a shot as a head coach again. I worked my whole life just to get fired, and I am not employable. He got fired from the Cleveland Cavaliers before that as an assistant and wasn't getting any head coaching looks. Michael Malone is a tremendous success story. Now a champion, one of the best coaches in the league, continuously gives us gold from the podium, and is the perfect fit for a team that has been pretty much overlooked and underrated 
for the entire time that they have been in existence. We're going to have a lot more to say about this on our NBA wrap-up show. But for now, congratulations to Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Malone, Denver Nuggets, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Gordon, and you know what? Not to mediocre Porter Jr. 2023 NBA champions has a nice ring to it, and I cannot wait for more dominance from them to come. Masai Ujiri and the Toronto I don't know why I said it like that. Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors went in an unexpected direction and picked a guy who I have to write out how to pronounce his fucking name on my sheet. I don't know him. I know almost nothing about him, and I love the NBA. Darko Rajakovic. Who? Who is that? Exactly. So the Raptors interviewed everyone under the board, ranging from J.J. Redick, what a joke interview, to Steve Nash, what a joke interview. And then they ultimately went with a, a young assistant with a lot of a su- success on some teams. He's a Serbian national. He's been coaching since 1996, first in his home country, and then since 2012 in the G League at OKC, Phoenix, Memphis. Why Darko? Let's dig into it. Kind of fascinating why you do a little research. And it all boils down to, to swag, to swag, to swag. Okay. According to friend of show, DeMarco Cole, who covers the Grizzlies, uh, Darko's buzzword is swag. And that's kind of funny, as he says, because every time someone mentions the word swag with the players, you'll get a laugh out of Jaron Jackson Jr. or Desmond Bain or one of those guys, and they're like, oh, my God, Darko says this all the time. Apparently, Darko loves the word swag. He is going to be taking over a team that Nick Nurse pretty much stripped all the swag out of. So he's going to have his work cut out for him. And the Raptors are not a team like the Grizzlies doing the gritty. The Raptors are maybe an anti-swag team, not with this roster. In fact, The Athletic dropped an article today about what went wrong at the end of Nick Nurse's tenure, and the problem turned out to be that Masai Ujiri felt that Nurse was not as good as developing young talent as some other people, which turns out to be one of Darko's best traits. With draft picks at a premium in the near future, the Raps currently are now losing a top six protected and two, three, three second rounders in 2024, they're going to need someone who can judge talent and develop talent very quickly, especially European talent. And Darko, Darko's been scouting his little ass off since he was 17 years old. So what's this mean, really, going forward for the Toronto Raptors? Let's be real. If he likes swag, there's going to be a lot of roster movement. Because Fred Van Fleet's got none. He just opted out, which means he's certainly gone. The team's already all but said that Gary Trent Jr., their swaggiest player, is almost gone. Siakam and OG could also be on the move. Leaving this team with only one returning starter, a.k.a. Scotty Barnes, a man who 
I don't think swag is the first thing that comes to mind when I hear him. So we have no idea really what to expect going forward in Toronto. No one has any idea what this team is going to look like on opening night. No one has any idea how Darko is going to coach. All we know is that he's going to be the coach. And that's, to be fair, not the most encouraging news if you're a Raptors fan. I am reserving judgment. However, Kevin Young, Charles Lee, Sam Cassell probably would have felt better about any one of those three. Let's move on. Of course, the non-final subject du jour in the NBA is, uh, is Zion. He's been getting himself into some trouble lately. The tweets just keep coming, and Zion just keeps sending this bitch more money to get her to shut the fuck up, which makes her tweet even more. Zion, delete your account. Uh, Mariah Mills just will not stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Rockefeller, bang, bang, come on. But I am not here to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about is the multitude of articles that have come out about Zion. And there's one anecdote that I want to concentrate on. Um, that is Zion's connection to Stan Van Gundy, his coach for one season in 2020 in New Orleans. You would probably assume that Zion would have absolutely hated working with Van Gundy. Van Gundy, if you remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was watching a Twitter live video press conference of Stan Van Gundy where he banged his fists on the desk, railing on his players, and I knew his days were numbered. He was talking bad about Lonzo. He was talking bad about Eric Bledsoe. And I said to myself, this is a man who's frustrated. Uh, he's Bobby Knight style, chair throwing ass, throwback coach, makes you run. He's like the meaner Tom Thibodeau, the meaner, more cantankerous, like more I'm going to throw you under the bus to the media Tom Thibodeau. He loves all-day practices. And for a guy like Zion who's not known exactly for his work ethic, a guy who struggles with his conditioning and weight, you know, I wouldn't think that Stan Van Gundy's style would jive with Zion. Jackson Hayes is on record saying that practices that lasted 45 minutes under Alvin Gentry were regularly three hours under Stan Van Gundy. His philosophy, Stan Van Gundy, were that NBA players, not my opinion, his opinion, so I'm just going to make sure I say that, that were, that, so Stan Van Gundy believed NBA players need to be run like thoroughbreds in order to be in playing shape. Like the anti-load management. Van Gundy took over during the NBA pandemic season. He got pissed because the team wasn't practicing enough and often enough, clashed with the head trainer, who is a big proponent of caution, caution, caution. And in the end result, Stan Van Gundy won. And this was literally the first time in his entire lifetime Zion played a complete season. Understand Van Gundy, Mr. Three-Hour Practices himself. Mr. Listen, no more cake, bitch. No more weed, bitch. No, you're spending all your time with me. Idle hands are the devil and the cake's playground. 
61 of 72 games Zion played. He was a force. I believe Zion was an all-star that year. And guess what? That's eight more games than Zion has played in his other three seasons combined, sir. Fucking insane. You might ask yourself why, but Van Gundy has an answer. And I think the answer was fascinating. Fascinating to me, and I think will be fascinating to you. Keeping Zion in shape was paramount. So this is what Stan Van Gundy said. When I got the job, I called Coach K at Duke. I remember him saying to me about Zion, Stan, the best way to get Zion in shape and get him ready is he needs to play. He needs to scrimmage in practice. He needs to play in games. He needs to play. Keeping Zion in shape by making him practice hard seems to have had the only result Zion has ever gotten. Let's be real. In, like, if you're practicing 45 minutes a day and Zion's housing 5,000 calories at breakfast, what you think is about to happen? Although Van Gundy got shit-canned at the end of that season and he's held a grudge over since over New Orleans, on a broadcast this year, Stan said the Pelicans have to figure out what they're doing wrong, that they can't keep their players healthy. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Stan. What would you suggest? I bet you all of my Coke Zeros in my fridge and all of the plethora of colorful socks in my cabinet drawer. I bet anything. He says three-hour practices five days a week. And the, the wild thing is that Van Gundy's probably not even wrong. The only way to save Zion from himself the only way to make sure Zion is in good enough shape not to injure himself while playing is to have him playing, always. Something to think about moving forward as Shams dropped the bomb today and announced that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to aggressively pursue a trade to get either the number two or number three pick so they can get Scoot Henderson. They are very interested in moving up because Scoot fits perfectly. So what does that mean? It could mean major changes, right? Because C.J. McCollum would have to take on a two-guard role, which means now you have issues with C.J. C.J. might be on the move because C.J. can't play two. Can't play defense as a two. And he will need to be a two in order for Scoot to be a one and get those minutes. And then they can't play them both at the same time, and C.J. just got an extension. And what it really might mean is that it could mean that Zion is on his way out. Now, it seems crazy to think that that could be the case, but that's been in the rumor mill for a while now. There's a, the front office is a little frustrated with Zion, and the Pelicans can't count on him to be healthy with all the negative press surrounding him with the Mariah Mills thing. That might be the thing. Sends them over. Might be the thing that sends them over. We could see some major changes in New Orleans moving forward. We're going to be on Pelican watch for the entire offseason. It would appear. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. The NBA season is over, but the league is going to keep popping because now we got draft, we got free agency, we got the summer league right around the corner. So check out the feed for past episodes and mini episodes, which drop not almost every day. They just happen. So don't forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one of them, and follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, 
and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, Knuckleheads. We will see you on Friday.